ever feel pulled in multiple directions at once, never quite having the energy to achieve all that you want? This podcast is all about helping leaders be human, not superhuman, mastering energy, not just managing time. I'm Ian Brown, and I help leaders improve their personal energy, be more creative, and become the catalyst to spark more energy in those they lead being more productive without working harder or longer so you get to spend more time with the things and people you love. From days that drift to days with design and purpose, welcome to the Energy Leader Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So in this episode, we're looking at the word creativity and the word innovation. And what's in a word? Take innovation and creativity. Now, if you take a sample of the FTSE 100 companies in the UK and their annual reports and strategies, you'll see the word innovation appear several times. These strategies will power our ability to innovate. Our innovative product has achieved great success. Trust in us as the leading innovators in our sector. Boardrooms just seem to come alive with the word innovation. And sitting in its shadow is its lesser cousin, creativity. Now you may be thinking, it's just a word. What difference does it make? Well, hopefully in this podcast episode, I'm going to persuade you that there is a world of difference between creativity and innovation. And once you understand this as a leader, you'll know exactly where to start in being a more creative person yourself. In their excellent book, The Creative Mindset, Jeff and Stainey McGrath, point out that every year corporations spend millions of dollars trying to get their employees to innovate. We have innovation labs, innovation studios, innovation directors, and a whole language to support it. Creativity, however, is often misunderstood, and as something somewhat ethereal and artful, innovation is bold and masculine, whereas... Creativity floats between ideas that may or may not lead anywhere in particular. Innovation is about return on investment. Creativity is ideas without purpose. Except, of course, it's not true. And yet lots of organisations persist in ignoring creativity in favour of innovation. Look at your own organisational structure for a moment and count the number of people with innovation in their job or departmental title or scorecards and those with creativity, and I bet your picture will look somewhat one-sided. Innovation is also something organisations will happily see as being something everyone needs to undertake, and a minimum expectation of everyone in the boardroom. We expect everyone to be innovative. Creativity, by contrast, is often something that gets delegated to the marketing department, which only serves to underscore the misunderstanding that creativity is something solely to do with art, with colours, as playful, without purpose. Who knows why? Maybe it just is this way. But understand this, without creativity, there can be no innovation. And you can make substantial gains with what you already hold through creativity without spending a penny on building something brand new through innovation. Sometimes someone else's old way is just better, cheaper, faster than your new way. Sometimes taking someone's idea that's already out there and adapting it to your own circumstance is sensible. That is good business. 
Sometimes believing the only way to improve things is through inventing something new is wasteful, and that's not good business. I don't like to make things complicated, so here goes. The creativity of individuals is the driver of innovation. Let me say that again. The creativity of individuals is the driver of innovation. That's it. Okay, so that's not quite it. And I, I pause for dramatic effect because many organizations get this whole thing the wrong way round. Creativity is the space that individuals occupy between their personal lives and their lives as employees. It's not something they just switch on and switch off. Creativity is something that people practice whether they are in work or outside of work. Creativity is the way people notice difference, act curiously, wonder how things could possibly be. And most critically for organizations, creativity happens spontaneously. It's never contrived. And it gets better. Everyone, including you, can be creative. We once were creative, and we can choose to re-engage with creativity. Do you doubt me? We'll try this. When you were very young, very young, you were an experimenter. Like all children until around the age of eight, you were forming your opinion of the world through experimentation. You tried to stand up, you fell down. You saw this thing you didn't know the name of that you could lean on that helped you to become more stable and that allowed you to get going on your first toddle. These days you know that thing is called a wall. Back then it didn't really matter what it was called, it was just part of the mix of trying to stand up and walk. When you were less than nine years old you were bold, fearless of the consequence, trying new things, figuring out what worked and what didn't work and creating new options and pathways every day. The building blocks that you played with in your childhood were you figuring out and experimenting with physics before you even said your first words. How incredible. As language developed and you could hear and understand more of the adult voices around you, you started to learn how the world worked, what was right, what was wrong from the voices around you. There was less need to learn just by trying, because the adults told you the answer, and sometimes, even if you were up for still experimenting, an adult might even tell you not to bother. They already knew the answer. Learning through experimentation was still possible, but the voices of adults around you told you what was right and wrong, and they became louder. And as you moved into middle school and eventually into high school, so you took on more instructional learning and marking structures, telling you very clearly what was right, what was wrong, and what was expected, and what was not expected. Even in science, when someone told you about an experiment, the right answer was already set out in the back of the book. You started to learn to conform to the right answer. If any of this sounds familiar, it's the typical rite of passage for many young people transiting from preschool into adulthood. Now, I'm not critiquing the British or US school system here, but we all have to admit it's hard to switch on creativity if the world around us is asking us to conform to their way of doing things. It's hard to feel confident in expressing alternate positions if someone sets out which positions are acceptable and which are not. And amazingly, even though many of us are no longer in school, we still work for organisations who spend every waking hour telling us what's right 
and what's wrong. The space in between is the creative space. I'd like to imagine that's just school. There are very good reasons for demanding conformance, and once in the working world, everything will just turn out fine. But for many people, the thinking pattern of conformance meets a corporate culture that advocates conformance as well. This is not fertile ground for creativity or for innovation to prosper. When organisations set themselves up in such a way that the creatives are siphoned off into a little team of their own, we inadvertently reinforce the notion that some people are creative and others are not. This is what David Burkis calls the creator myth, that our creativity is gifted us by God or whoever you believe in, and some people are born creative whilst others are not. In 1973, Marvin Reznikoff and co-researchers set off to examine the genetic code of creativity. So surely if creativity comes from our genes rather than from our upbringing and experiences and how we conceive the world and our place in it, then what we need to do is to look at this through the lens of people who share the same genes. And here come the twins. And that's what Reznikoff set off to do. Now, if you don't have time to read all of his research, I'll give you the spoiler. In testing identical and fraternal twins for creativity, there was no evidence to support the theory that creativity stems from genetic traits. One twin could be seen as creative and another not. Often the biggest barrier to accepting our potential to be creative is misunderstanding the word and what it means. Creativity, as Natalie Nixon puts it, is an output of wonder and rigour. Wonder is our interest in the world around us, our interest and instinct in noticing things that are different, seeing contrast in things and life, why things work in a certain way and some things don't, and asking the question, I wonder if. Creatives notice difference and question why. Doesn't sound so stupid now. The creator myth purports that a lightning bolt comes from the sky and plants an idea in your head. It just came to me from the skies above. But this ignores the fact that creativity is actually built on deep expertise and years of experience, not out of nowhere. Jazz is a great example to break up the creator myth. Listen carefully to the work of Duke Ellington and the improvisation that makes his jazz so utterly brilliant comes from a deep understanding of musicality and the instruments he could play. The basis for his creativity was not a lightning bolt from the sky, but deep expertise in a specific area that helped him to tease out and play in the boundaries of his knowledge and skill. Technical skill and expertise is the foundation for creativity. In a certain way, you need a certain amount of knowing to know what you don't know, so you know what you're seeking to know. Huh. As a leader, this is great news for you, because you're likely to have lots of people who have lots of expertise in specific and given subjects, but they may not inhabit your innovation floor or building or campus, and that's down to you in creating an unhelpful construct. Being pretty knowledgeable in their field means they have the perfect springboard for identifying what's great and what could be improved or made better. They once were experimenters until they were taught, maybe at school, more likely in corporate life, to respect their place and position, to wait 
important till they're asked. Your task as leader is to change the permission space, increase people's curiosity, and enthusiastically, with all your energy, encourage people to come out of their shells and notice difference and wonder if. This is going to take time. It doesn't take a maelstrom of wild and focused ideas and post-it notes. It starts with encouraging a gentle curiosity to know and care about how things are in the world around them. Many new leaders arriving in organisations have figured out how to do the grand tour, visiting different departments and asking open questions to find out what works and what doesn't. And that's great for forming a strategy. But if you're mining for insight and missing the opportunity to spark creativity, get curious and inspire curiosity, not just for yourself, but in others. And it's a subtle art. So creativity is about seeing the gap or problem and asking why. So here are some things to try with your teams. Practice curiosity. You need to master the art of language here as there is a delicate balance between inquiry and inquisition. Asking someone, why is that, can elicit a transactional or a defensive response. Expanding your repertoire to things like, have you ever noticed something that our competitors are doing that you think we should be taking more note of? Or, I wonder what you think might happen if we changed a few things around here. What do you think are all great ways to coach in creativity within your teams? Developing a wider view. If you're new to the company, then you'll have some advantage in seeing difference. But many people who've been with your firm for some time may be bringing a deep knowledge of your organisation, but be light on perspective. So give them the opportunity to get it back. Da Vinci's helicopter concept came not from sitting in a dark room, but noticing a spiral fall of an acorn leaf. So make it your company policy for everyone to go out on safari. Consider structured secondments across teams and other devices that you can deploy so that people get to see the bigger, broader world and then bring back all those observations and ideas. And make creativity everyone's concern. It doesn't always have to be the brand new, but sometimes the best creativity is exercised in the here and now of daily problem solving. Resisting the urge to silo creativity off to a specific team and signify that creativity is an exclusive capability that only a few people possess. By doing that, you miss the power and potential of the crowd for the price of exclusivity, and you're making life harder for yourself as a leader by placing more emphasis on you personally to come up with all the bright ideas. It all takes time, but encouraging your people to bring their outside observations in, past experience, experiences as customers, experiences of leading elsewhere, experiences of working with different groups of people is a rich source of comparable insight to generate curiosity and wonder. We were all once creative and we can be again if we choose. We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Energy Leader Podcast. Why not subscribe so that new episodes are streamed straight to your device? And I'd love it if you'd be kind enough to leave me a review and tell others what you've been up to and what you're learning. To get more help with your time management, productivity, and energy, why not check out the website at www.theenergyleader.com, where you'll find more resources to help you be an energetic leader and still have time to spend on the things and the people that you love. Stay strong and make it happen. And I'll see you next time on the Energy Leader Podcast.